0: There is no song for this episode. But this is a song because it is get fitty with it. It's just not a song by someone else. It's a Holly Luckett Original. Welcome back to Get Fitty with it. I am your co-host, Holly Luckett. And I am your co-host, Mary Thornton. Um that's called, you know, not being prepared prepared in this. Yep. That's what it's called. <laughs> you look like that up in the dictionary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. That's why I have a degree in English, people. Um, but, anyways, we're back with an amazing guest today, which I'm so excited. And our guest's name is Bryce Hansen. He, first of all, brings so much energy. So mm-hmm. you guys thought I brought energy, so buckle up. <laughs> he brings a lot of energy.
1: Yes. He is definitely very passionate about what he talks about and his life and his goals and what he does for his career. Yeah. And I love that he really builds in the uh,
0: mental connection to the physical, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in the episode. But um, just quickly before we do jump into the episode, Mary, um, wow, the look you just gave me was like... I had an eyebrow hitch. <laughs> the way you look like, oh God, what are you going to ask me? Um <laughs> Because we are doing some extra recording at the moment. I know I don't want to bore everyone with everything we talked about in other episodes. at yes. But I do have a question for you. And that question is, um, what's just something you're
1: really proud of right now? Um, to be like,
0: what does proud of mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, I am actually, I have two things, shockingly oh, enough. Yeah, I know. I'm in two things. I know I'm very proud of myself for the past two weeks I have actually and it's not like a extensive like we had just talked about how you're going to start Gua sha again mm-hmm. and I want to do that as well so mm-hmm. I don't have like an extensive like skincare routine but yeah. I got the makeup eraser recently and I got I always say this wrong micellar water is that oh, how you say uh-huh. it I think so I think so too I don't know people know what I'm talking about but I got that and the makeup eraser like wash pad and like I've been taking my makeup off fully I've been like just doing like my oil drops moisturizing everything before bed and in the morning which is like I don't do that yeah so this is like and that's been like two weeks of like actually doing that even though I've been like so stressed out it's been like my one constant so I'm proud of myself for that my other thing that I'm proud of myself for is that I finally lifted and that's been something where it's just like we used to love lifting like we did it together and like it like is what kind of like brought us together but for some reason I just haven't had this like want to go do that like that hasn't been the movement that I've been like wanting to do Mm -hmm. and I don't know yesterday John went to the gym with me and I just did it and it felt like so good and not saying that I'm gonna like go back to lifting like as much as I used to sure but it just—I was very proud of myself for actually like doing it, and like I was—I was on the treadmill, like having a great time, making a playlist for myself. Mm-hmm. And I was only going to be on the treadmill for ten to fifteen minutes, and then I was on for twenty-five minutes, and then I was like, uh-huh. usually like like Old Mary would have been like, "We'll just stay on the treadmill until John's done." Like I'm yeah. not going to go lift, uh-huh. but I pushed myself to go do it, and it was really good, and I was like proud of myself all day for doing it. So love it, I
0: love it. Yeah, speaking of those pads too, I know I know I have um. From Alta like a makeup remover. It's like a towel, like a little towel or almost that yeah. you can wash. But I remember I got it for free. I think it was like last year or something. But those things are life-changing.
1: They really are. I never
0: knew they would work, first of all. So I never had bought one. And then when I got one, mm-hmm. like an altar order, I was
1: like, all right, I'll try it.
0: I I hate yeah. anything else.
1: And I love like that. I can just like, like you said, wash like it. throw it in the wash. Yeah. Um, I've got one It. I've got three here. I need to get. I've one. got one at my in laws, and then I have, or I gave one to my sister. But um, TJ Maxx, they have okay. them. All yeah, right. so right. and it was like four ninety nine for like six of them. So nice. okay, definitely a deal. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: and something that I'm proud of this week is, um, I just had it in my mind. What was it? It just left. It just left. What was it? What was it? Wow. I wish I would have done because it left my memory. So I'm gonna have to go with something else because I don't know what it was. Um, So instead, something else that I'm proud of apparently is the fact that I finally took the time yesterday to clean my kitchen fan. And that sounds so silly, but- No, it doesn't. It's something that- it's just like, I forget. And that fan is always on because our kitchen's always hot. And so I forget that it's that dirty, first of all. Um, but then Brandon wanted to try because, because that kitchen's so hot, Brandon's like, maybe this fan's like going backwards. So he's like, how about we clean it? And then, you know, we, we flip it. And so by we clean it, it was, I clean it. Um, (laughs) which it was, wow. It was like raining. Yeah. And, I know I need. We only have one other fan in this house, and I was like, I need to do it to that fan eventually. Today is not that day. It took me like probably like the last six months of thinking how I needed to do that fan to actually do it. So I'm really proud of myself for actually doing it. So that way, you know, turn the fan off. There's not dust just flying around.
1: (laughs) I think this is like everybody's sign to go clean. Their fan in their kitchen, if they have one, because I also have been looking up at my fan being like, because you can see it. Like, I don't know how it gets so dusty. Yes, yeah. It's like, but it you like can like see it. Coming yeah. The side. Mm-hmm. You are not the only one. I you I recognize that and maybe everybody who's on here right now will go clean our pants. Today.
0: Yeah, yeah it's like to the point like the cords you know that you like can pl- hit the lights even had dust, right? had dust right? Had
1: dust hanging you know, and I was that's like That's how mine is too. I see it yeah, every day and I think exactly. I should clean that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm proud of. I'm um, proud of you for that.
0: Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. That, let's be proud of this episode and jump right in and listen to Bryce. So we will see Let's you do it. Your side. All right, we are back with another amazing guest. And I'm so excited to introduce you guys today to Bryce Henson. So Bryce, thank you so much for being here. And to just start us off, can you just tell us who you are and how you show up in this world?
2: Yeah, well, Holly and Mary, thank you so much for having me. Very excited to kick off the new year with you ladies. And Uh, I guess I'm a fitness professional would be the best way to describe it. Um, I got into the space back in 2007. Um, I grew up uh, similar to you in the sense of the Midwest. Great place, amazing people, not necessarily the fitness capital of the world. So when I moved (laughs) to California when I was 21 after graduating from Michigan State, um, I was 3,000 miles from home. I had very little professional skills to offer the world. Um, I had more dark days than good because of a homes- homesick and not having a good amount of, you know, friend network, et cetera. But really, if you unpeel the onion, I wasn't a fit guy. I didn't have health and fitness because probably the cultural aspect of just growing up in the, in the environment, um, nutrition wasn't a big focus. Also, you know, from first for first world standards, my family grew up from very humble beginnings. So Taco Bell, and fast food, typically cheaper options than the healthy organic, unfortunately, but just the way of the world. Um, So, you know, I wasn't a fit guy by any stretch of the imagination, but thankfully went through an incredible fitness transformation, which we can talk about, but have uh, ascended the ranks to become a gym owner or initially a personal trainer then a gym owner, then a multi gym owner. And then now the CEO of Fit Body Bootcamp, which is an indoor fitness franchise uh, throughout North America. So that's kind of a high level screenshot who I am and really what I'm passionate to serve. It's really health and fitness because I believe to put a bow on this health and fitness is the foundation. It's the gateway drug, if you will, to a better life.
0: I love it. I love the energy. First of all, like I, now I understand why you said you show up so well in video because it, it kind of like, it lights you, it, you light up when you talk about fitness. So uh, I love no, that.
2: Thank you. Well, you know what? I mean, I, fitness is just an energy booster. So we'll talk about, it, I'm sure, but I get my workout every morning and kind of kickstart the day. So I can't take you know credit for just being a highly energetic guy without fitness, which is why I'm so passionate.
0: I love it. So I'd love to hear about going back to it. So growing up, I feel like just hearing that snippet, me and Mary kind of like similar thing. You know, our our parents didn't have organic foods. Not that they didn't love us, obviously, or care. It just wasn't the time yeah. at that point. And yeah. so a lot of fast food or you know, nice mm-hmm. hearty home meals, I guess you could say. So how did you get into fitness? How did you start learning more about wanting to be interested in your diet, what you're eating, what you're also just doing to your body. I'd love to hear more of that story. Yeah,
1: especially because in 2007, I feel like there's a big push now towards like the fitness industry, I feel like, or like in the past, like couple of years, it's been like more of a push on social media and things like that. I guess like back then, like, how did you, like you said, you were in the Midwest. So it's, how did you get that like inspiration?
2: Yeah, totally. And you're right. I mean, certainly in the last few years, probably the last handful of years, you know, Mm -hmm. this industry has definitely grown a lot. You know, with COVID, I think um the big aha that really hopefully most people really glean from this is fitness is not about vanity. It's about your health and about mm-hmm. you know, long term. Um, you know, living on your own terms. And uh, so I really hope the conversation changes over the next handful of years as we look ahead uh, to be really more health and fitness because what's of the coronavirus or whatever virus in your way, when you're obese, when you're not healthy, when you're not fit, your body cannot just fight, you know, disease off in, you know, a proper fashion. So that's really, really important as well. But um, really to kind of go back to, to answer your question, what really was a driving force? Well, I think if I pull back the curtain and look back, even at my time in the Midwest, I lived there for about 12 years. And, um, you know, as I was going through high school and college, I wanted a a better physique, you know, I wanted more confidence, right? You know, especially, you know, your teens and early twenties is a hard time in life to begin with. And certainly if you don't have a good physique, um, if you don't have a good lean muscle, if you're a guy, or if, you know, you're a female, you don't have a good lean slender body, um, you can, you know, go through some, you know, self-confidence issues. And I certainly did as well. So I think, you know, Mary. to your point, that was really the foundation of the desire kind of growing. I just didn't have the tools um, or the understanding or the know-how in order to make that, um, you know, healthy and fit lifestyle reality. Uh, But really um, to kind of dive in a little bit more deeper to the origin story, when I moved to California, as I mentioned, it was actually 2005 is when I moved there. And for the first two years I had more dark days than good. Um, I can't say statistically I was obese, but I was about 20 pounds overweight of fat, very little muscle mass on my body. And I think for me, the big driver in the fitness was actually to to get a better physique, but really to unpeel that even further, to drive more confidence in my life. And uh, then a fortuitous situation happened. One of my best buddies actually from Holland, Michigan, just on the other side of the lake of Chicago uh, area, uh, moved out to Southern California, and uh, we ended up living together uh, for a better part of two years And embarrassingly to say, kind of unpeeling back the the onion about the lack of confidence, Adam was an incredibly fit guy. He could have been on the cover of Men's Health. He wasn't, Um, but he had the six-pack abs, the glistening muscles, and we lived together. And it still took me about four months before I finally mustered up enough courage to say, Adam, can you show me a little bit about this fitness thing? And he turned to me and he's like, Bryce, I thought you never asked my friend, but here's the deal. Here is the deal. Like it's spoken like a true coach. He's like, I'll show you what I know. Um, But I need your commitment for at least a 12-week program because you saw how many, you know, friends of ours tried to get fit and asked me, you know, help about health and fitness, but how many actually stuck with it? The answer is like virtually none. And that's just, you know, human nature. It's tough, right? Um, So he said, I want you to train how I want you to train, lift what I want you to lift, eat how I want you to eat. And after the 12 week, three month uh, program, if you're like Bryce, this is not a fit, well then happy days, at least you gave it a full effort, um, but I think you'll be surprised. And really that was kind of the catalyst, if you will, um, to be introduced to circuit training, um, to lifting weights, to clean nutrition, but most importantly, coaching and accountability. And ironically enough, why I was so passionate about um, launching my own FitBody Body Bootcamp location and then, uh, and then becoming an owner, and then the vice president, now the CEO of the franchise, Really, what Adam showed me was really what we offer, the type of circuit training, nutrition coaching, uh, uh, coaching and accountability at Fit Body Bootcamp, even though at that period of time in early 2007, Fit Body Bootcamp wasn't in existence. So that was really the foundation reason why I was looking for something else. The fact that I you know, tapped onto someone who could show me the way, I provided that, he provided that guidance and support. And really, that's why I'm so passionate about the coaching industry, because if I'm being honest, I would love to, to look you both in the eyes and say, you know what? I would have done it by myself, but I can't do that. And that's why I'm so passionate about fitness, but also the coaching element as well.
0: I love it. And I would love to hear how that and kind of the creation of your friend introducing you more so, because I had my best friend actually kind of introduced me to lifting and more of that stuff too, and really got me into fitness. So I love that it's a friend thing. Um, yeah. How did that shape then coming into Let's create a business. Let's create Fit Body Bootcamp. Like how did you move into that journey of the of the fitness side of things?
2: Yeah, that's a great story. And I love it because I love the question because, you know, especially human nature and fitness and health it can be a very emotional transformation. And, you know, it was very emotional for me. And when you get emotional about something in a very good way, it gives you a lot of like ongoing energy, enthusiasm, excitement to continue. So having that very, you know, strong emotional connection with with fitness. Um, I trained with Adam for about two years, uh, but really the first six months I got hyper-focused and I really went to my transformation. And we talked about the the 12 week commitment. Um, Did I absolutely transform my physique night and day in 12 weeks? No but I did actually prove to myself that, oh, wow, I could see some changes in the famous words of Tony Robbins. Progress equals motivation. So after I got to that twelve week period, I started seeing some progress. Then I got more motivated, and then really about six months in is with my full transformation. I stripped away twenty pounds of body fat, put on twenty pounds of lean muscle, which I think is another great coaching tip because at the end of the day, the scale is just one number, but your body fat percentage, you know, your lean muscle mass has a lot to do with it. Because if you see the before and after pictures of me, I look completely different, but actually the the scale stayed the same. I was one hundred and seventy five in both pictures which I just think from a health and fitness uh, component, it's a really good message to, to, you know, bring forth. But to answer your question, after I went through that experience, I was emotionally excited. And then the thought occurred to me, it actually was probably the end of the second year when I'm lifting uh, weights at the gym with my buddy, Adam, and some guy beelines it over to me and he introduces himself and he's been like, Hey, after he introduced himself, I've been watching you for a while. I'm curious, you know, you lift really well and you're in great shape. Like, how do you eat? What's your nutrition protocol? You know, what's your water intake? And then ladies, I stopped for a second. I'm like, whoa, me? Like me? it didn't even occur <laughs> cool to moment. me. It didn't even occur to me at that period of time that actually I could give that gift back. Does
0: that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally, totally. I've, I've, I feel like not in like a lifting way, but especially for me, yoga specifically, I've had that where someone comes to me and I'm like, oh, wait. I'm teaching now. Okay. This is cool. <laughs>
2: yeah. And I think it's also like an identity shift, right? right as well. And, <laughs> um, I think even to this day, going back to the fitness train, people kind of go back in their own old habits. One, you were habitual in nature, but two, it's the identity of that person hasn't necessarily changed, like if you're a smoker, as an example, you know, you're not only addicted to probably the nicotine, but you're also like, you know, addicted to the idea that you are a smoker, um, number one, you need to break the chain of the chemical addiction. But then number two, from a mental perspective, you need to kind of take a stand. I'm not a smoker. And I bring this actually up. I'm a recovering alcoholic. Not the most exciting thing to talk to you ladies about, but it's the truth. Yeah. And um, I think for a period of time, when I uh, got sober six years ago at the end of 2016... Um, even for the first year, I had a hard time saying I don't drink alcohol because my identity fully didn't change yet. It was just like I was stopping drinking, but it took me about two to three years to finally, you know, now from my identity perspective, if you ask me if I drink alcohol, I say, no, I, I don't drink alcohol. And I just leave it at that because my identity has now changed as someone who does not drink alcohol, which is, which is obviously a very positive thing. But um, I digress and really, um, you know, going back to that point, had that aha moment. And I thought, oh, wow, i could actually give this gift back to just like it was given to me but the interesting thing enough i didn't actually fully grasp that i could make fitness a full time focus I thought, okay, I could train some people in the nights and weekends, because also, too, going back to the identity of the whole life um, transformation, I went from the least performing sales rep in the company all the way to the highest performing sales rep in the company. So I was crushing it in terms of income. I doubled my income. So I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to jump ship. I just thought, okay, I can supplement this and kind of be fulfilled in the process. So I did the most logical thing I possibly could do. I enrolled into the National Academy of Sports Medicine, which is a gold standard for certification. And then what happened was, and um, Holly, you'd mentioned in terms of founding the, the franchise. I'm actually the CEO. I, I didn't found the, the franchise. My business partner, my mentor, and one of my best friends, Pedro's Cooling, is his name. He actually founded the franchise system back in 2009 and 10. Uh, that that period of time frame. Um, so as soon as I updated my Facebook profile, I um, to certified personal trainer, I started receiving ads from. Pedro who who's my business partner and the founder of the franchise. And he was talking about, he was a business consultant specific in the fitness space on teaching on how you can launch a business, how you can grow a business, how you can get your clients better results. So I started following along him for a while and then ultimately decided in mid 2020, uh, excuse me, 2012, which is over 10 years ago, which is wild to do the scariest thing I possibly could. I put my life savings um, to open this little dream of open this gym, this studio called Yorba in and Fit Body Bootcamp, which is in a city um, in Orange County, just near Disneyland. And um, that was really how it kind of, it went from me going through my own transformation then to, you know, becoming a certified personal trainer, realizing I could help, you know, from a coaching perspective and then, you know, launching my first business. And we can talk about the Ascension, the CEO and all that, but really for me, that's the most magical part about for taking my own experience and then implementing it in the service of others.
0: That's awesome, and that's, I love that. And can we go back to the addiction thing? Do you mind talking on that for a little oh, bit? Oh, let's go. I know let's we've go. talked um, with a couple other guests about addiction and, and overcoming mm-hmm. addiction and things like that. So you said six years ago, so that's after you did get into fitness, and I feel like there's such a stigmatism. Maybe is the best word for of if you're into fitness, you don't drink because it's extra calories, you know, things like that. So how was that? For you, as you were, getting more and more into your physique and drinking, and then how did that kind of come up for you that you realized you did have an addiction that you needed to take care of or treat?
2: yeah it's it's an incredible question. And interestingly enough, um in science, there's more science still coming out. I uh, alcoholism, from my knowledge and research and understanding is it can be a very genetic disease. So mm-hmm. uh, my father was affected, His father's affected, probably his father was affected. so, Genetically, there's something there, and I didn't know this for a long period of time. But I use the analogy of eating sugar. Um, most times, when someone has a little bit of sugar, it has this addictive quality where someone wants more. They have like one piece of candy, next thing you know, the whole bag is gone.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
2: that's actually how my body metabolizes alcohol. When I have a little bit of alcohol, I develop a craving for wanting more alcohol. I realize, for the vast majority of people, about 10% of people from my research and study are statistically alcoholic. About 90% of the population is not. So for about nine out of 10 people, that phenomenon doesn't happen. I just didn't know that at the time. But in any case, that's, I think, where the root came from. But um, it took me actually, Holly, to to your point, a while to actually realize that I had a problem with it because I wasn't what I thought an alcoholic was. My father was an alcoholic, come from a broken home, addiction, gambling, very challenging for sure. Uh, My father and what I thought to be most alcoholics didn't have a job um, lived under a bridge, drank alcohol every single day, like out of a brown bag, like their lives were all over the place. And actually it was never me. Um, even in the prime of me, like getting fit and healthy, I would be what's called like a binge drinker as an example. So like Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, I would actually just be very dialed in. And in fact, as my, um, as I you know got older, because this transformation happened, my physical transformation in 2007 I was about 22 at the time or so. Um, as I drank alcohol throughout my 20s, I actually dr- drank less frequently, but then more aggressively. So I had this very aha moment through a very kind of tra- a series of tragic events where I woke up one day in my early 30s and I realized like, holy smokes, I'm actually drinking more alcohol or more aggressively than I did with that when I was at 21. And that was a big like aha moment for me, even though, and again, to kind of put a bow on like my classification of what an alcoholic is, it's not necessarily um, the volume or the frequency you you drink. It's Mm -hmm. what happens when you drink. Mm -hmm. And for me, that became a behavioral issue. And you know, it was it was hard. I'll be the first one to, to admit, um, even at that at that point, I knew uh, that, OK, I probably need to take a look at this. It was probably a period of two years of like false starts and stops where I cut back and st- stopped drinking for a few months or a month or three months. But then I kind of get b- binge back in and going back to, you know, the the analogies to fitness and the tie ins there and group fitness and why I'm so passionate about Fit Body is we offer group fitness, which is really a coaching and supporting program. So I had to humble myself and realize I need a coach. I need a mentor, someone who's gone where I want to go, who has over 35 years of sobriety, and also to tap myself into a very common you know, uh, support group. And that's been, from a coaching and, and accountability perspective, an absolute game changer. And I'll kind of put a bow on this to, to finish this thought. And I think it, it's, a, it's a direct tie into the health and fitness aspect. Um, when I first lifted that first weight with Adam in January, the first week of January, 2007, I thought to myself, what am I getting myself into? My muscles were <laughs> so sore. I could not sit down in the toilet. Oh, Literally, I was thinking, if it's going to be like this all the time, like there's no way. But And that was the same, the same kind of experience when I stopped drinking alcohol for the first month and for the f- third month. And it took me to a, probably a solid year before – I kind of like looked around and was like, well, I don't have like the the daily or weekly kind of desire to drink anymore. So my message on this front is when you get going, whether it's health and fitness or anything new routine, um, it's going to be challenged. You're going to have to overcome adversity. But if you stick with it, the level of challenge and adversity gets better over time. It's not always that hard to begin with, but it's hard to create that momentum. So create some momentum, get a coach, get a support group. That's what's worked for me. And then realize after you build some momentum, it does get easier with time whether, you know, stop drinking like me or, you know, becoming or continuing on a healthy and fit lifestyle.
1: First of all, congratulations. That's amazing. Um I come from, I've got a lot of people in my life who are alcoholics or struggle with alcohol. So it's just amazing anytime anyone quits and acknowledges that because that's the hardest part I feel like, mm-hmm. but do you feel like, I mean, obviously you kind of have said it, but Had you not found fitness and like moved to California and found your friend, do you ever, I mean, not to think backwards or like negatively, but do you worry that like that never would have happened for you if it weren't for health and fitness?
2: Mary, uh, really, really good, good question. And it's something I've contemplated quite, quite a bit. I think um, I had the desire. So I I, like desire to be healthy and fit. And then eventually Mm -hmm. the desire to stop drinking, but it was actually, if you reverse engineer it it was because of pain and actually I give a keynote on the three P's of fulfillment, which is pain, passion, and purpose. And really in order to take a step and develop passion, which is actually passion um, is suffering um, the passion of the Christ. That's the, the, the derivative of actually suffering. So in order to, I guess, have a big change, typically you got to go through like a very painful experience. And if you're listening to this and, and you've made some big changes in your life and you haven't gone through pain, you just figured it out yourself. Well then good on you. But my experience above myself, my own life, and also human nature that people don't really, really change until the pain gets too great. So for me, from a fitness perspective, I was growing by like, I felt like the month or the year, like more insecure and not feeling comfortable in my own skin. So to your point, Mary, Do I like to think I would have done it by myself? Yes. Do I think I would have done it by myself? No. Um, If Adam wouldn't have been the fitness mentor, I feel confident that at some point I would have found someone else because the pain would have been too great. I can't tell Mm -hmm. you that for sure. And there's a part of me that thinks back still like super grateful and lucky that like that situation transpired the way it did. But if I'm being honest and like logical about it, I think I would have found fitness eventually. It would have Mm -hmm. probably just, the pain would have had too great. It would have been someone else. But even to this day, Adam, if you're watching, I'm so grateful for my friend to be able to provide that support. And then the alcohol side, it's the same thing, actually. Um, and and I won't go through the the, the full details here, but I had a, a, quite a few family interactions um, that were really, really heavy, um, that um, that were really, really painful, to, to put, put it bluntly. And there was a, another family member of mine who went through an incredible amount of pain, being alcoholics, which is a very genetic thing, went to jail and just all sorts of crazy stuff. And for me, okay, I would like to think that you know, even if it wasn't for that experience, there would have probably been experience later on that the pain got too great to make that change. Mm
0: -hmm. But for Mm -hmm. me,
2: Mary, to answer your question, after this very tragic situation, someone who I loved and cared for like deeply, immensely to see her go through all this challenge and adversity and the struggle and all this chaos because of the pain of alcohol. And then I, I looked out one day and I like looked, just basically did like a, an audit of my life and re- remembered like the chaos that my father, you know, caused. And thankfully my mom got us out of that situation. I was 10. So I didn't experience like decades of it, but I experienced mm-hmm. a few years of it. But I thought to myself, like, this is just this, this substance. Okay. And while I don't think it's actually the substance's fault, the substance of alcohol is a very powerful thing, but I'm very clear. If you can drink like a gentleman or gentlewoman, my hat goes off. That's not the issue. It's my body and my metabolism with alcohol is the issue. But I turned to myself and really kind of finished this thought. I thought to myself, this is insanity. Like what's Mm -hmm. the the famous saying? I think by Albert Einstein, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over Mm -hmm. and over looking for different results. I was doing the same thing over, over, over again. And then just thinking like something was going to change. And I thought to Mm -hmm. myself, I had a deep look in the mirror and said, if I don't change, nothing else will. And that was really the catalyst. So hopefully that uh, provides some context in terms of the struggles that I went through that really, you know, ideally help, you know, your audience who either is going through a certain similar situation or has someone in their family doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I feel like some people think it's very taboo to talk about things like that or like it should be kept quiet, but I feel like more and more people need to start talking about it because it is an issue, you know?
2: Yeah, totally. And- and the, the the last thought I want to kind of throw on that it, it's also human nature as well and for a long time when I was having these probably about three to four years of like really bad experiences as, a, as with alcohol that that weren't frequent weren't on a daily basis but they were on a monthly basis you know as an example um and uh you know but going through that I just realized to, to myself that I I felt like in an island I felt like I was the only one going through mm-hmm. these issues and the real reality of situations, we're connected by like this energy force of humanity. And when I started going into the support group and hearing the other stories of the other guys and gals in, you know, that have very that basically have the same issues that I do, I realized, holy smokes, this person thought the exact same thing I did. Yeah. And it's the same with health and fitness. It's like I thought, okay, like I'm the only one insecure about my lack of muscle or my you know, the fact that I'm overweight. You know, I'm the only one that's insecure that I don't have the level of confidence and energy I have. But then when I started like launching and running fitness businesses, I realized like all my clients are thinking the same thing. So we're all just (laughs) part of the same human energy force. And so to your point, it's really important what I've learned as a leader, as a fitness professional, as an entrepreneur to talk. It's okay to talk about my issues and talk about my problems. Of course, you have to go through some healing to do that. But Mm -hmm. what I do, what I realize is I create better connection with the audience because I'm not the only person who has and is going through
0: these issues. Absolutely. And it makes, I mean, it makes you more. Honest in the way you show, but it's also gonna make your clients trust you more because they actually know, hey, he's been through something, he's worked through this, he's done the work to get to this point. And I think that you know it says a lot about a person as well. So I mean, again, congratulations to you for working through it. Um and, and I would and love it's, oh, it's sorry ahead. to interject. No, it's, you're fine. It's,
2: it's it as much as I'm excited to, you know, kind of showcase, you know, the 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 challenge and the overcoming it, I also take the white mentality. Um, yes, I'm excited. I just celebrated the six year anniversary, but that does not mean tomorrow I can't drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a possibility that could happen. One thing, those I know today, I'm not going to drink alcohol, and I think that's important. You know, to have that mindset that you can't. And it's interesting in the support group in the rooms, the people with the most sobriety, they are typically the most humble about it. It's the ones who come in that have like a month of two or three of sobriety. They're like, oh my god, next week I'm going to hit three months. Someone who has 35 years of sobriety will say, if I don't drink tomorrow. I'll have 36 years of sobriety. And I think that's a really good message for fitness, for health, for mindset, uh, just for life.
0: That's very interesting. And it actually leads me right to the question I was going to ask. So it was a perfect interjection.
2: Before <laughs> I just hijacked that. So exactly.
0: That, huh? <laughs> no, you're fine. It was perfect. So I wanted to get more into the the mental side of things because we talked briefly right before we started recording about, you know, so much of no matter what we do with our physical body, so much of it is going to come from mentally. And even to observe in yourself that you have an addiction, you would you have to have a mental strength there to start being mindful of these things that you're doing, doing too much, et cetera. And so I'd love to hear how, you know, how have you shaped your mentality over the years through this journey, but also in terms of like confidence. I know working on my own sort of personal thoughts and how I think about myself, has changed how I, you know, show up in the world, how confident I am, et cetera. So I'd love to hear kind of that mental side for you.
2: Yeah, that's an incredible question. Um, So I think for me, uh, I anchor myself on two kind of thoughts um, that have developed myself business-wise, physically, and also professionally, but most importantly, a mindset perspective. If you want to gain more confidence and a stronger mindset, you need to do two things. Number one, you need to do hard things, which is counterintuitive, to what human nature, like our bodies are designed to take the path of least resistance, right? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll show just a very clear example of this. I would challenge anyone who's listening to this or viewing this, go to the mall or go to the airport and watch the escalator and watch the stairs and see how many percentage of people take the escalator versus the stairs. You're talking about like less than 3% of people take the stairs. Human nature defaults to the path of least resistance. So with that in mind, okay, it's counterintuitive. But do hard, doing hard things actually builds your confidence, it builds your mental fortitude, and it builds your, I guess, mental stamina over time. So that's why when you you know go through a, Holly, you were talking about going through an awesome yoga session this morning before you, you know hopped on the camera, like I'm sure, you know, even you're excited about going, there's probably a part of you is like, oh, I don't really want to do this today. And then you nailed it. And then afterwards, you're like, you know what, I feel so much better. I feel more accomplished. You develop that like that friction. So number one, doing hard things will develop your mindset, develop your confidence. And around the same uh, mindset would be um, keeping the promises to yourself, not only just to other people. And actually, you can tell someone who has a high level of confidence and mental mindset when they make a promise to themselves and they keep the promise. And really, that's like stacking wins. And that actually develops confidence over time. And it develops a strong mindset. Um, But to really kind of bring it back to the mindset aspect, you can't really develop a strong mindset just like you can't really – develop a strong uh, physique or body, unless you subject yourself to stress. Mm -hmm. And that's why I kind of go doing hard things. When you proactively work out, you are proactively saying, I'm going to put my body through stress, but the act of putting your body through stress is actually what makes you stronger. So in order to develop a rock solid mindset, you need to constantly both from a physical perspective, but also from a mental perspective, put yourself in situations that are hard. That are challenging that's going to stress your body and it's counterintuitive because we're wired as human nature going back to the escalator analogy to take the path of least resistance but if you do that your mindset will never develop you'll never develop the most the amount of emotional intelligence you need to be successful and you're not going to develop that high level of confidence that you want and the opposite is also true when you do hard things when you subject yourself to challenges when you make the promise and you keep your promise to yourself that's where you overcome the stress, you overcome the adversity, you develop a strong mindset, and that helps you, you know, in all aspects of your life. So that's the way I look at it. And I guess to finish that thought off, the framework that I use is um, a framework of stoic philosophy. I'm not sure if you've heard of the philosophy before, but that's really grounded me. I'm happy to elaborate if, 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 if you so desire, but that's what's really grounded me as to, to really view challenges, not as obstacles, actually rather opportunities for growth.
0: I love that. I would say I've, I feel like I've heard of maybe it the Stoic philosophy. Mayor, do you know? Are are you very familiar with it?
1: No, I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, no, elaborate. So
2: um, there's a gentleman named Ryan Holiday who basically has put Stoic philosophy on the map. It's an ancient philosophy over 2,000 years old. It was um, created by a gentleman named Zeno, who was a very wealthy uh, merchant, and he basically went his whole he lost his whole family fortune on a bad ship crack, uh, shipwreck, and like all his jewels and, and all the merchant and on one hand that could be one of the worst moments of his life but he realized you know what i'm actually going to become better for this another um really really big Stoic philosopher philosopher of the past is uh marcus aurelius so if you've watched the movie gladiator marcus Aurelius is the emperor of rome the fifth good emperor who died who's like his deathbed at the very opening of the movie and um uh, marcus aurelius was a stoic philosopher he wrote he he wrote a journal which actually he had no intention of being published out, out to the masses um, it was literally his personal journal, but it was actually found and transcribed. It's called the Book of Meditations. And really, Stoic philosophy is about, if I can sum it up in a few different ways, it's about taking a challenge and then not viewing it as actually a bad thing, viewing it as an opportunity to get better. And um, Marcus Aurelius, and i will kind of finish with an analogy of the fire, but he he's famously quoted saying, the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. And that's a, a way to, to kind of, look at challenges are just part of the process. The detour is the path. Every one of us is going to face challenges in life. And you can do, look at them two ways. You can, you know, cry about the challenge. You can say poor as me and take the victim mentality, or you can rise to the occasion and say, how can I make this better? And I kind of put a bow on that from a Stoic philosophy perspective, which I love to use this analogy of a fire. So you say you have a fire burning and all of a sudden all the obstacles and the challenges of life of this fire comes in the way The brush and the trees and the gasoline and everything these gets thrown in the fire. The fire does not cry and say, "Poor me, woe is me." All these obstacles and challenges in my life, I'm just going to wither out. The fire does the opposite. The fire says, "Okay, brush. Okay, gasoline. Okay, wood. Give me, okay, your energy source, and I'm actually going to use you to be burned bigger and brighter and bolder." And uh, that's a mental framework that I use to try. It's way easier said than done. But I'm, when I'm going through a challenge, as an example. When I when I had alcohol, it's a big problem of mine. If I did not actually go through that experience, put myself in recovery, get a mentor, I would not be here today. It actually is my superpower going through that tra- uh, that that situation. And I think from a mental perspective and a mental fortitude perspective, if we can train ourselves as humans to start looking at problems and challenges as actually blessings and opportunities to get better that's really what it comes down to. So Ryan Holiday, incredible author, follow him, Stoic Philosophy. That's been a really framework for my fitness and leadership and certainly recommend it.
1: Awesome. I feel like this is coming out end of January, which is a time where I think a lot of people need to hear these kinds of things, because I think a lot of people go into January being like, we're doing this, we're getting back to the gym, we're going to hit it hard, like new year, new me type of stuff. So I feel like, how do you, I guess what your would be your message to those who are having that mindset? Like they just started this journey. Maybe they're a little sore. Maybe they're, you know, starting to think like, oh, this is getting too much for me. Like, how do you change when people start having those mindsets of like, I can't do this. And like, I guess, what would you say to like one of your clients if they're at that point where it's like, okay, well, I just did a great month, but like, now I'm just like going to start tapering back.
2: Yeah, that's an incredible question. I wouldn't have given these, this answer to you a few years ago. Um, but really what it comes down to, it's your perspective on time and really as human nature, if you want to be successful in anything, you actually need to, from a mental perspective on time, you need to collapse time. So I'll use two, two exam- examples of this one from a business context, but really one from going back to the addiction context. Interestingly enough, Holly and Mary, what I just shared with you, I was like, I've been sober for six years as December, 2016, I guess, whenever the, you're hearing this in the time of this taping. Okay. When I first thought to myself, like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking alcohol forever. Like that seemed so insurmountable. Like there is no mm-hmm. way possible. And this is why if you listen to someone who has like more than 10 years of sobriety, they talk in days, they do not talk in weeks or months. The, the newbie, when I talked to you about like, who just gets one month of sobriety, which is awesome. Congrats. But it's already fired up to talk about like, the third month of sobriety to six months sobriety. Mm-hmm. It's like, slow, slow down, my friend. We're going to take this one day at a time, and it sounds so basic, but it's so true. So if you can take one day at a time, okay. I didn't stop drinking for six years. Okay, I stopped drinking one day at a time. Just so happened over the six years. So from a mental perspective, collapsing time and realizing, like, because when you think of big time, it's really hard. You get very overwhelmed. This human nature, and it's kind of going back to the first fitness analogy when in 2007 with Adam. The first thought that went to mind that first workout was like, there's no way I can do this for this period of time. Mm-hmm. When I break it down, it's like, all I need to do is this 30-minute session. Mm-hmm. So that's like a fitness application. The other application would be from a business perspective. And this has been a game changer for our franchise. We adopted uh, a system called EOS. It stands for Entrepreneur Operating System. It's actually based in Michigan in, in the Midwest. Uh, the book uh, is a, a book a foundational book on the us systems called traction it's about by gino wickman and really it, it's the same philosophy on collapsing time and he uses the framework with the old adage how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time how do you plan for your whole year one quarter at a time. So really from an EOS perspective, we've, um, from a business as well, we've basically chunked out and collapsed time to 90 day intervals. So it's impossible to execute like high quality effort for a period of a whole year, but can we get hyper-focused on a few big key goals for the next 90 days? And if we chunk 90 day by 90 day by 90 day by 90 day, then what happens is over the course of the year, you look back and you're like, holy smokes, we've moved mountains. Mm -hmm. So really married to to your initial question, what am I going to say to a client who's like, all right, it's like end of January now. I'm already feeling overwhelmed. Like 2023, like still has 11 months to go. Mm -hmm. Do not think that. Think to yourself, okay, what about over the first quarter of 2023? What if I can really get hyper-focused for February and March? Because April 1st starts the new quarter. So let's just focus on what I'm going to be doing for the next two months and then when April first comes, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to like, okay, where I'm at, and then instead of planning April, May, and all the way through December, think, okay, what can I focus in on? April, May, June, in quarter two, for my fitness goals, and for me, and for that's that that's had been a game changer in my life. And really, if I get a question from a client, the, and I, I elaborate a lot there, but really, what I'm trying to do is I just collapse time, and that makes it way more manageable and palatable to to ensure long term results.
1: I, think I love be- that. I'm oh, sorry, God, no, you go. I was just gonna say, I like struggle so much with mentality, especially with like being in the gym and like that kind of stuff and like looking into the future. Like I'm such a future thinker of like, well, when am I like, when am I going to have a kid? When am I going to do this? Like, what do I need to accomplish before that? And it's like, this whole year is like already planned out for me. But like, I love like squashing that because then nothing happens. Like all last year I did that and then nothing happened. (laughs) So I feel like I love like smooshing that and being like, okay, this month and then this quarter and then, you know, going like that. And, and
2: there's a dichotomy as well because you still have to have vision. So in the in the US for sure. in the US framework, like it was, we break our quarters. We have an annual vision that kind of talks about the vision, like what do we want to accomplish for the year? Because that's you need that north star, mm-hmm. right? But you can't think about the north star once you set it. You need to be like then reverse engineering, and even mm-hmm. you actually reminding myself today, I know Holly, I mentioned, you mentioned the yoga, you know, story this morning for me, we talked about, like, I got a great start in the day today, which is awesome. But I got up this morning. I was like, man, I got a lot to do today. And I, I felt like overwhelmed, but I was like, no, I got one thing to do right now. And so the next 30 minutes, I'm going to go to the gym, going to get a circuit in and basically feel like a million bucks. And then once I do that, then guess what? I feel like then, um, mm-hmm. uh, progress equals motivation. So to your point, Mary, like I can think of, you can think of all the things you need to do in the year. But let's bring that down. Like, what do I need to do now? Yeah. And how do you create momentum.
0: No, and, I love that. I say, I think it's such an important way to think about it. And Even in our, one of our episodes that we just released in current time. So beginning of January, uh, we talked about our yearly intentions and then we broke it down to what are we planning for January specifically? And I think it's so important to do that because it's so easy to set You know, yearly intentions or yearly goals. But if that's all you do with them, then it's exactly what you just said. It's you're not going to take that action because it's like, oh, to read 20 books this year, that's overwhelming. Just not going to do that. Uh, But if I look and say, okay, well, I have to read a book and a half this month, that's not as bad. That seems a little bit more digestible. Is it hard because I haven't been reading recently? Sure. (laughs) It's more digestible than reading 20 books in a month.
2: Totally. (laughs) And even taking a step further, be like, hey, can I read three chapters this week?
0: Yeah. Mm hmm. (laughs) And that's what I know I've done because I used to be such an avid reader and I just fell out of it as I got older and busier. And so I do, you know, can I read a chapter? Can I read 10 minutes today? I break it down into smaller goals because that's how I actually start building it to then want to just show up to it naturally. So love that you pointed it out. Um, Another question I had for you that was kind of from what we were talking about earlier, specifically with the the mental side of things. I know for me specifically, a lot of mindfulness tools has been very helpful in terms of understanding my own kind of mental capabilities and how I think, et cetera. So I'd love to hear, do you have any specific mindfulness tools that either you recommend to clients or that you just utilize every day, whether it's meditation or walking or yoga or whatever it might be for you?
2: Yeah, another great question. You guys are on fire over here, making it really easy <laughs> and extracting some good, good knowledge. Um, this is actually something that I have a very a big challenge with. This has not come instinctually to me. I'm not like a present thinker. I'm not in the moment. So when I kind of talk about time collapsing, that's a tool that I've used, but I'm also too, not on my high horse. I still have the anxiety and these like mental things at fire. I just now have the tools to kind of refocus my, myself back in it's the same actually with mindfulness. So um, I envy the yogis of the world that basically just show up and they're just like peaceful Zen. I'm like, I love that. Right. That's just not how I'm wired um, for the good, the bad and the ugly. So this is a big you know, challenge for me. So my coaching moment um, is really, you know, something that I've anecdotally, you know, uh, ran in my life is you need to find something that works for you. Um, I'm not to say that I can never be a yogi and I can never just set out for 90 minutes. Like I could work to that if I collapse time and made a big focus, but I have a really, really hard time with that. I it's interesting in the fitness space. I'm the person I can show up to a gym and certainly there's way more people that are fit than me. However, I can hold my own and, you know, feel very confident about the experience you put me in a yoga studio. I feel like when I walk in, I feel like I'm the 350 pound person in the room. That's the first time doing it. Like, that's kind of like the feeling that I get because Mm -hmm. my form is not good. My breath works not good. My mindfulness is not good. So that I have a hard time with that. However, what I found is there's a couple tools that work for me. So running, is an example, you wouldn't consider that like standard meditation. And most guys, what I've learned in as I you know go older, don't really gravitate to running. You got some guys who do, but like in general, um, females, to your credit, like like the running mechanism a little bit more. But for me, it clears my mind. I have the most amazing ideas and breakthroughs when I run. So I get a thirty minute circuit, and then what I'll typically do at least a few times a week is I'll get on the treadmill for twenty minutes. And yeah, I'm running to burn some calories into healthy, but actually what I'm doing is actually increasing bilateral stimulation in my mind to make sure I'm focused in. Uh, The second thing that I do is I live in Southern California, which has beautiful weather, all things considered. And I'm speaking to the choir here uh, from a cold perspective coming from the Midwest, like you both are. And I guess okay, we're not jealous. But uh, the more, because we have dry weather here, there's very little humidity. The mornings and the evening gets super cold in the winters, which you do have winters here. They're just a little bit different, but I have a pool and the water gets about 48 degrees because again, winter time. So the water stays cool, even though during the day, it's like 70 degrees out. (laughs) So I do a polar plunge, like basically some cryotherapy, a three minute circuit on a week on on a daily basis, actually. And really what that does is it slows things down. I focus on my breath work. I have these like the God shots of like clear mentality. And then of course the endorphins kick in after and there's a lot of like benefits to your immune system reduction in inflammation. But from a mental perspective um, that kind of gives my high anxiety type of personality something more pal- palatable, only three minutes. But it's such an intense three minutes that it really centers me and really c- gives me some clarity of thought. And the last thing for me, and you know, to, to your point, you know, initially Holly about uh, some mindfulness tools and some apps so you can do meditation. I haven't found great success. I know there's a couple uh, ones that I've tried, just haven't stuck for me. And not to say that they're, they're they're not valuable, but one thing that I do and I've gotten the practice over the last three years, I have a 15 minute commute in the work at 5:30 in the morning, which isn't bad at all. But I used to, I'm I'm addicted to no, know K N O W. I'm always trying to read and absorb information like this awesome podcast and other piece of literature. But for 15 minutes every morning, after I get my workout in, my run, my cryotherapy for three minutes, when I get in the car, I actually just no music, no audio books, no nothing. I just sit in silence as I drive for 15 minutes to clear my mind for the day, so that when I show up, you know, at HQ, uh, our headquarters at 6 a.m., I'm ready to go. So for me, those are a few strategies that works. Um, and again, but I, but I think in my uh, experience you got to find something that works for you because if I just listen to the traditional yoga like vibe, which I love yoga for the stretching. I ran two marathons in my life and Mm -hmm. yoga was the tool actually to strengthen my like um, elongate my muscular system Mm -hmm. in order to do that. But I probably would feel like a failure. But for me, those little three hacks like have done such a great um, job in my life. And so I guess the message is find what works for you and then continue to do it.
0: I love that. And I love that you like brought up three very like non-traditional ways because as someone who is more of that, I guess, traditional mindfulness type of person of journaling, yoga and meditation, I always like to, even when I've shared meditations on our podcast before, I've said, you know, take the sitting down or take it on a walk with you. Like if you need to move when you're on this meditation, that's fine. And so I think it's just, when people think of mindfulness practices, they think of still sitting, nothing in your mind, but it's like, even when you're in your car, you might be quiet, but you're still moving and you still have that active movement in a way. And so I think that's so important for people to see that there's different things that you can do for mindfulness that aren't your traditional ways. And I, I love that you just shared three different ways, because I feel like so many people it's probably listen to me and they're like, Holly, I'm um, shut up. I'm not going <laughs> to. Well, it's, it, I feel like
2: Holly, like you're the, and maybe some people look at me, especially when clients come in and say, okay, like this guy's in great shape. I could never attain that. Yes, you can. But for, for, you know, me, Holly, when you're like telling this, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I could never attain that like peaceful Zen. Although I, I'm very interested in it, but you know, at some point, maybe I get to a place where, you know, I'm zened out like you, but you know, for, for me, these strategies work and I'll build off those because consistency compounds
0: definitely
1: definitely i have two call outs one my husband thinks i'm insane but i do the same thing i like drive in silence he's like nothing no music no podcast and i'm like it, i just like need to think during that time yeah. like that's the only time that nobody's like distracting you and like i'm not using my phone when i'm driving so it's like perfect um but second so you said that you do the polar plunge which i've been seeing like literally all over the place like people on tiktok are doing it like they have like these ice baths and stuff Yeah, let's say you don't, I don't know, like all the background, obviously, but a lot of people say that it really helps with the things that you were saying. So say you don't want to like, emerge yourself in like freezing cold water. Can we like do the same thing with like weather like freezing cold weather does it have the same effects or do you know about that it's like so how can i do this without like fully yeah. doing it i just, like, don't <laughs> want to go into freezing cold water because like people take like cold showers in the morning like i know i could do it but i'm just like trying to it's get not- a around here until i get to that point <laughs> so mary i'm gonna give you a
2: workaround find another meditation source because yeah. unless, <laughs> unless you put yourself in that cold water or cryotherapy cha- uh, chamber okay i don't think you're gonna get the the effects
1: Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I oh, might try perfect. it. I might try it. Because like I said, I've seen so many people doing it. And like everybody talks about how great it is. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if I can do that yet. I <laughs> Maybe in the it. summer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, I used to have a cryotherapy business. Uh-huh. So like oh, it come, and Tony Robbins and Joe uh, Joe Rogan kind of always talk about it as well. It's like this mm-hmm. chamber. And it fills with liquid nitrogen and it's basically simulates it's not wet like you are when you're mm-hmm. in the polar plunge but it's a dry cold and um you know having that for for a long time the irony is is i grew up in the midwest spent 10 years i moved away because i didn't like the cold but i still actually practice a cold practice while i live in the warm weather but i th- also feel it's i have a little bit of like a duty obligation responsibility like to my family, to all my you know, <laughs> friends in Michigan to be like, Hey, do I do you a solid? I still have a nod for you, but I, this is the, my little way that I get to, you know, experience and, and suffer in the cold, if you will.
1: I guess show up three minutes a day in the cold, just like <laughs> you're, you're three minutes in comparison to our 4 months.
2: <laughs> but but the, the, I, the irony is I'm like, I can't do six because it's like six months of cold. It's not four. Yeah. It's like, I can't, it, well, it depends, right? The year, but mm-hmm. like, I can't do, I can't do the winters in the Midwest. But somehow I can do the pull-up lunch. But my brother, Barrett, who's downstairs visiting from Detroit right now, he's like, dude, you're freaking crazy. Like, I yeah. don't know how you do this. I'm like, dude, you live in, you know, six months a year. It's like negative
1: five right now.
2: What are you talking mm-hmm. about? So it's just, yeah, and we're
1: miserable. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's awesome. Maybe I'll let you know if I try it sometime. <laughs> you
0: should. You should, she'll, she'll continue to just ponder about it, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) but I would love to know. We are very much into building, cultivating and kind of forever changing our morning and evening routines and kind of those daily things that we'd like to come to. So I'd love to hear, do you keep any specific, obviously I've kind of talked about working out being one of the things you like to do in the morning, but any other specific morning or evening routines that are just kind of non, you know, non-negotiables for you?
2: Yeah, more just a reiteration, but, you know, I wake up sub five, which is really important um, because, you know, I have a, a lot on my plate in terms of running a international fitness brand. So, you know, making sure that I'm getting up early, but also too, and that also makes sure it means that I need to make sure that I'm in bed uh, early as well, um, because sometimes human nature, we feel like we're superhumans the next day when we're thinking in the future. It's like, I don't feel great today, but tomorrow I'm going to do all these things. It's like, no, tomorrow you're not going to, you're going to feel the same way you did today. So you're not superhuman tomorrow, um, even though you think you are. So that all in mind, people like, I guess my point here on that is like, okay, I'm going to wake up nice and early, but they don't go to bed like till 10, 11 and midnight. And you're gonna try to wake up at four thirty or five. That's not going to happen. You know, you, your body needs sleep. So for me, um, while I talked about my morning routine is getting up at 445 to make sure that like I'm up and at it. At the end of the day, I need to make sure that I'm in bed um, by 830 so that I'm sleeping by at 45 in order to make that happen. So that's really, really important. Always get my 30-minute circuit, um, which is really important. Um, and again, it's for the mind, body, and soul, uh, which is really um, beneficial to my life. I get my three-minute cryo, uh, cryo plunge. Uh, I have my meditation, if you will, in, in silence. And then I also kind of part of that practice is my uh, headquarters team uh, start at eight in the morning. But for me, I make sure that I'm there at 6am because I have two hours of like uninterrupted work um, where, you know, I can actually take action the proactive things. Mm-hmm. And without that period of time, holy smokes, I would be so much more overwhelmed because, you know, to be successful in fitness and business and life, you need to be able to take a proactive approach versus a reactive approach. And I think most of us understand that to be true. But, but the question is, do you put yourself in a situation to actually take a proactive approach? Um, I didn't for a long period of time. I would start like right at eight o'clock and then get the day going. But then what happened is then people start coming, the doors start knocking, and then I'm like handling fires instead of being proactive. So part of that routine is to make sure that I'm at HQ at 6 a.m. So that way at 8, p- or 8 a.m., when the rest of the team kind of shows up, I'm already basically dominating the day. Um, I'm pretty rigid in terms of what time I leave. I leave by five every day to make sure that I'm good to go. um, And that way I can get back. I can have dinner. And then for me specifically, um, I work really hard. Um, I have a really strong work ethic, which I'm very proud of, but I think it's really important too, that I shut it off. So at six o'clock when I'm home, um, you know, I have wife uh, dinner with my wife and then basically I'm just kind of hanging out for about 90 minutes. We ha- have our chat, um, maybe watch some YouTube videos and then by eight o'clock I'm kind of winding down. So I do have like more of a rigid lifestyle, but it's really beneficial because to that point, like having routines and mental clarity, really what it does, it creates efficiency in your life. So I'm a hugely routine, focus guy. The other side of the coin, though, is the big breakthroughs in life, the big ideas and ahas actually don't happen from routine because routine is going to create efficiency and optimization. But a few times a year um, on a bigger level, or maybe on the weekend, or just like some sort of kind of quote unquote um, removing yourself from the routine, going on walks or adventures or traveling to other places from a creativity perspective, I feel like that's actually been really beneficial. So have that routine, have that efficiency, but build in some creativity time. And that's really been a couple pillars to my success.
0: I love it. I love it. And I love that something you said was that you turn off work at six. I think that's so important because there's such this dynamic of culture. I feel like where half the culture is like, yes, you need to step away from work. You have to have personal space, slow down. And then the other half is like hustle, 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 always be on. And like, I tried that for years when I first started my business of like always being on, always doing something on social media, et cetera. And it's exhausting and it's not fun and it didn't get me anywhere. And so slowing down, having time for me and my husband, enjoying a conversation at the end of the day, like I've realized how important and how impactful those moments can be. So I love that you said that specifically.
2: Yeah, no, it's worked really well, like in creating those boundaries. And, you know, Holly, to your point, I can definitely relate because it hasn't always been that way. And you feel like exhausted and you burn out both sides, but it's just an evolution. It's definitely been Mm -hmm. uh, worked really well.
0: Definitely. And so one of the questions I like to ask every single guest who's on the podcast is what is something you are grateful for today?
2: I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for my sobriety. Um, I'm grateful for my fitness. Um, you know, this has been an incredible conversation. I'm so inspired. I love mindset and personal development and, you know, fitness. It's been the cat- cat- uh, catalyst to my life. Um, so, you know, with those three things, I think that's a great bow from my lens in terms of, you know, gratitude. And I love that question because just even like asking a question, just like looking at us all, like our energy has changed in a p- positive way. So I really appreciate that. And you. Of
0: course.
1: Of course. Um, my signature question is what content are you consuming right now that you feel like others need to consume? It could be book, podcast, movie, TV.
2: Yeah. So I'm a big podcast guy, like I'm a big YouTube guy specifically. Uh, for me, I like gravitate to personal development and then specifically like business growth. Um, somehow he's been very controversial, which I don't know why I'm a huge fan, but uh, Dr. Dr. Jordan Peterson, he just wrote an awesome book, the 12 rules for life um i think he just has some good um good thoughts on you know how to live your life like clean up your you know clean up clean out your closet remove alcohol drugs from your life be a productive you know uh, person to society um, i'm not a political guy he's been kind of in the political news so if this is not your cup of tea i'm not looking to put my agenda on you however i just think from a personal growth and fulfillment perspective uh, some of his content's been really really powerful in terms of just making me a better person
0: Love that. I'm here to link it below. And our last question is, where can our listeners find you? Is there anything we should expect next, et cetera? Ooh.
2: Uh, so the biggest way, I guess, would be to tap in if you're looking for you know, a mindset coach or fitness nutrition, uh, Fit Body Boot is my brand. We have hundreds of locations in North America and uh, many in Chicago area as well. Uh, but you can find our website at fitbody.com bootcamp.com. That's fitbodybootcamp.com. And then specifically, I'd love to continue to add value towards you and your your uh, audience. So all my social handi- uh, media handles from you know Twitter to uh, Instagram to Facebook is real Bryce Henson, not to be confused with fake Bryce Henson. So that's where you can find me.
0: I love it. And as always, we will link everything below, but Bryce, thank you so much for being here, just for sharing and for just having the energy that you do, because I think that's so important when you bring that sort of energy and passion to the work. Oh Yes, thank
1: um, you.
2: Totally, my pleasure, is mine, Mary and Holly. And I know we had to reschedule, so bringing me on that, but I'm um, ex- I was excited to show up today and wanted to give you my best. And thank you so much for for you know having me on the show. And
0: happy 2023 to all. Happy 2023. Okay, do you see what I'm saying about bringing the energy? He brought. He brought. Yeah, energy. brought it.
1: No, he is so passionate about it. Like I i don't i don't even have words like he's just so passionate about everything that he says and like everything he says is so thought out that's that should be one of my intentions (laughs) because sometimes i listen back to our podcast and it's a lot of um and like and Mm -hmm. even when we're talking to our guests and i think i did really good in this one though i thought about it after we had interviewed him and i was like i think i did pretty good about not saying i'm liking
0: myself yeah Exactly. I love it. And um, as you guys may have seen, if you do follow us on Instagram, I've been trying to have our posts be a little bit more interactive with some videos. So um, Bryce is actually, we've been talking about it for a while, but Bryce is one of the people that kind of inspired it because when we Mm -hmm. were going to have this interview, um, he had some stuff going on and he, he said that he really shows up a lot better on video with his energy and things like that. And I'm so glad that, you know, we waited until we could have video. So that way I can share these with you guys throughout this week. Um, one, I've been having a lot of fun with them last week with Udo's. So I hope you guys mm-hmm. are doing them, but, or two weeks ago with Udo's, but, um, I hope you enjoy because I feel like his energy really does come across not only in his voice, obviously, but with how he says things. And like I mentioned in the, um, beginning of the episode, I love that he really does connect the mental piece to it because I feel so often, well, obviously in, in to us, it's, it's, it has to be connected you know it's you can't mm-hmm. do one without the other i yes. know there's so many people in the fitness industry that don't talk about the mental aspect of it and really connecting with that side and even like the mindfulness and spiritual kind of pieces of it mm-hmm. um, like he talks about his mindfulness practice are maybe not the same like i do but he's still finding that time for it and i feel like i love that he shares that message especially as a male
1: definitely definitely i expect our conversation to go differently And I just I love the way that it went. And I love the things that he said. Mm -hmm. And I love how open he was with with us. And I hope that anybody who's listening who struggles with things like that, even I mean, to a lesser degree of struggling Mm -hmm. with your mental health, like he talked about his addiction. But even just like, scrolling it back to just anybody who struggles with like that future, like if you're trying to change something, Mm -hmm. whether it be addiction, or just like for me, it's very difficult because I see like my future and like, obviously you can still be future thinking, but scrolling it back and being, I was going to say like, again, being aware of what you can do this month. Yeah. And what you can do this week and just kind of scrolling it back today within this hour. Like what can I do to like help myself make these changes? Mm -hmm. And I think that that was super helpful for, me especially who is always like if i get like i have to get this done this month in order to get that done this month and then like We're but if you just take it to your fur like and then you're like well i messed up those pat like jesus i've said like seven times now that i just thought that <laughs> uh, i have talked about in our previous episodes of just how much i struggled at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and how both of us like started the year on a not strong note mm-hmm. and things like that happened but You can just, you don't have to like worry about those two weeks. You just like look at the week in front of you and like, what can you do to push and make your intentions like continue working for you? Yeah. I love that. I love that. I just love the way that he said it. It's a lot more educated than mine was. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I love both ways. I love both ways. Yeah. I also think, and we'll talk about it in our intentions, but I want to bring it up here Uh, for February. I may start doing cold showers
0: oh yeah. yeah I loved I I was actually thinking about that the other day because I was in the shower and I accidentally didn't realize I didn't have it like to like my medium kind of hot and it was lighter, uh-huh. and I got in and I started laughing because I was like in the episode when you're like so how do I do it without doing it
1: yeah how do I get around that like can I just stand outside when it's cold out or no <laughs> oh it cracks me up so I'm but it doesn't have to be like your shower like you can go in there for like three minutes and then right. wake yourself up and then go to your workout and then like take your hot shower still
0: exactly yeah yeah, yeah. it
1: doesn't have to be I was telling John that I want our gym to take out the tanning bed because I feel like who uses a tanning bed right now still like in 2023 like come on um and he was like oh they should put in one of those like ice tubs blah, blah, blah. I was like yeah. I wouldn't use that if other people were using it but I get your point point. and then we started talking about the cold showers yeah so. I love it I love it yeah
0: um well since we started the episode with something you're proud of um we won't necessarily have to do the grateful thing I guess because you know I know it might be similar um so just what's something you're looking forward to this week
1: small big um hmm right oh I got one it's not like this week but it's next weekend Mm -hmm. we are going to see Elsa and so it's Frozen and Encanto on ice with my niece I'm so stoked love that yeah because those are also two of my favorite movies even though they're like we're going for her but like Mm -hmm. they're also like my favorites. I love it so I am very excited for that Love Can it. I also mention that my niece knows how to say both my dog's names and she's calling John Don but doesn't know my name? <laughs> I love it. Just like when Marley uh first figured out
0: Brandon and it was Auntie Brandon and Auntie Holly. I love yeah. it. You know, kids are cute. I'm just like, say my name. Names, my name. My name. <laughs> my name ain't Mary. Please baby, call me that. <laughs> <laughs> What's something
1: up. that you're looking forward to, Hal? Um,
0: I'm looking forward to so this week, um, well, we're recording this, it's technically in the past, but um this week oh, yeah. is Martin Luther King Day. And uh I am off for this okay. holiday and my friend angela is going to come over she has work she worked her second job that day and it's up in this area so she's going to come over and we're going to do like a little dinner and hang out and stuff like that nice. um, but yeah i haven't got to see her since my wedding and before that i hadn't got to see her in a while and so i'm really yeah. excited to actually talk to her because i know my wedding it was like i gotta sit with you guys and talk for a little bit but not that long yeah and so i'm really excited to chit chat with her and you know finally give her her christmas gift and all of that sort of stuff I love it. That's what I'm excited for. And so, with that, we'll wrap up this episode. Where can the listeners find us on Instagram if they want to get involved with us? They can
1: find us uh, at what? On at around. They can find us at Get Fitty With It
0: Pod, or they can email us at video at gmail.com and as a reminder we have our february intention slash yearly intention ceremony coming up on february 4th at 8 30 a.m central time so if you guys are interested or curious feel free to reach out to us on instagram whatsapp uh, email whatever for questions and or for the invite and we'll send it over but with that we'll see you next week and have a beautiful
1: beautiful week bye <music>